Hello, landing page optimization listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash. Next time you browse through iTunes or the Google Play Store on your smartphone, make sure to land on and download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app. Listen to new episodes of LPO every Monday or catch up on all the interviews featuring me speaking with the best and brightest conversion thought leaders of today. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile apps in the iTunes Store or via Google Play today. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Uh, this week, my guest is David Torciano. He's the co-founder of Socket Digital, which is an analytics and optimization consultancy, and also the director of online optimization at the New York Times. Welcome, David. Thank you, Tim. Welcome to be uh, great to be here. So, tell me a little bit about uh, Socket Digital or, and and your work at the New York Times. Sure. So uh, I've been at the Times for a little over three years. Um, I was brought on to help kind of launch the optimization group uh, for the paywall um, prior to the paywall launching. Um, about a year and a half ago, I co-founded Socket Digital um, to do some consulting work on the side, um, both in media uh, with kind of other paywall companies, but as well as um, e-commerce and other industries. Um, okay, so just to kind of clarify for our readers, not everyone's familiar with the term paywall. So basically, whenever you have a subs- subscription-based content, uh, that is, how much do you give away and what do you charge for and how do you throw up that barrier page or paywall to get them to actually want to pay for the content? So that's what you're talking about. Correct. Yep. Um, and you can go to a, a, a few different sites, uh, the Wall Street Journal, Harvard Business Review, uh, they all have different approaches to how to kind of incorporate that paywall into uh, into their business. Okay, so what are what is that kind of balance or trade off or business model? How much do you give away, and what do you charge for, and how do you interrupt people to get them to pay? That sort of thing. Talk about the different approaches there. Um, well, I think that is the uh, the answer that everybody's looking for. Quite honestly, um, you know, it, what's it, being it, tried? You know, tell me some examples of what different folks right. are trying. So, um, I mean, you can see from, from the Wall Street Journal example, uh, they tend to put up a much harder wall. So you can only access a few articles prior to being able to uh, having to uh, uh, log in and subscribe to, to, to their site. Um, the Times takes a little bit more lenient approach where uh, you have 10 free articles prior to having to log in and, and become a, a registered subscriber. Um, the Harvard Business Review and even the um, Financial Times also take a little bit harder of an approach where you need to either be registered to get access to any articles uh, or subscribe to get unlimited access. Um, the balance really comes in, uh, obviously, with pricing, um, understanding your customer's price sensitivity, um, and as, as well as the value proposition. Um, you know, A lot of people still feel that uh, news is free, um, and it's uh, free to create, I guess. Um, but I think, you know, as the Times kind of is leading the way and um, some of the other companies are kind of putting up paywalls as well, 
uh, a lot of people are recognizing the need to be able to support quality journalism uh, in you know whichever format you might want to read it, whether it's through the website or apps. Um, but I think we're starting to reach a, a, a bit of a steady state where, um, you know, w- when we first kind of launched, there was a lot of backlash about I'll never pay, I'll never pay. But we're starting to see that change in the in the industry a little bit. Okay, so you know this kind of democratization of all media. Well, yeah, if you want just somebody blogging from the basement in their underwear, yeah, that's free. But if you still want investigative coverage and news bureaus in foreign capitals, then there's still a lot of infrastructure that has to be supported by paying members, right? Absolutely, um, and uh, and you can it, it, by following the times, you can see that uh, we're actually quite aggressively growing our subscription base. Um, I think as people understand the difference of the quality of journalism, they, um, you know, they understand that there's only really a few places to be able to get it. Um, and a lot of the kind of upper echelon of journalism tends to be somewhat uh, industry specific. So Wall Street Journal, obviously a little bit more financial, the Financial Times a little more financial. Uh, the New York Times is really kind of the more general news that is bringing another or keeping that level of journalism at a very high uh, level. Okay, so then the, let's let's switch gears because you know the the listeners of our show care about conversion and effectiveness and making uh, visitors to your website do things that are good for the business economically. So, uh, like you say, you're kind of in charge uh, of making sure you get more paid subscribers. So uh, obviously you have a huge advantage in that there's probably very high volumes of people visiting the site and are trying to access articles. Uh, so let's talk about kind of your approach to testing and what you guys are doing on that side of things. Right. So um, really before we even get into testing, we try to really understand the behavior of the users on the site to begin with. So we'll look at both quantitative data as well as qualitative data. Um, and we try to really pinpoint what are what are the pain points or what are the points of interest of users. So uh, how can we better understand the value proposition? Um, how can we be- uh, better understand the price expression, um, the way that we position one product versus another? Uh, those are all kind of the main, you know, levers that we look to use, uh, as well as user experience. So, you know, what does the actual checkout flow look like? Is it easy? Is it, um, is it confusing? And we really just try to reduce the number of hurdles that users have to, to cross and you know, just try to make it as easy as possible. Okay, so the, I heard you say a couple of things that I want to expand on. Uh, you know, one is that you use both quantitative and qualitative methods to try to get insights. Uh, the other thing you said was that you kind of separate, I guess what you'd say, the business model or the offer from the usability of the site and the user experience, right? So let's tackle that last one first. So, you know, obviously pricing is going to determine how many people take the offer and context will as well, how many parallel offers you're presenting and what their options are. Talk a a little bit about kind of trying different offers and using the web as a laboratory to find the right business model. So um, we're actually pretty constrained with the types of offers that we can uh, present depending on the channel that we're testing in. Um, so we don't have too much leeway there, but within the, within the main channel uh, with a couple of kind of offers that we can uh, test out, it's really just about positioning the different products um, because the entry promotion and offer is same regardless of the product that you're purchasing. Um, it's all 99 cents for four weeks. Um, but the way that we position the 
entry product or the kind of lower end product, the web and smartphone versus the all inclusive, all digital access um, is kind of where we've really seen a lot of um, movement when it comes to conversion rates. So being able to position um, those two products differently, you know, in one way or other, depending on some of Okay, the- so wait, so what, what, what is the all digital access? I mean, like you say, web and mobile, well, that's how I'd be accessing it. So what else do you get with the quote unquote all digital access? Um, so you get a couple of uh, uh, additional access to things like archives as, um, and, and some of the other uh, products that we offer. The way that our bundles are actually broken down are uh, web and smartphone. So you get access to the New York Times website as well as the smartphone app. Um, okay. Then we have the web and tablet, which is the same website access with uh, access to it, our tablet app. And then the all digital access is kind of all of those bundled together. Okay, but it's not that you're getting to more content. No, they all uh, they all provide the same level of unlimited access. Okay, so just which devices basically is correct. Okay, got it. All right, well then let's let's talk about uh, you know well in so if you're to what are you finding in terms of multi device use uh, among your your visitors? What do you know about uh, how they access the site? Um, well, you know, I, I think we are challenged just like a lot of other folks in having people access the site as anonymous users using multiple devices throughout the day. Um, so, you know, it's a challenge for us. And one of the kind of things that we're always focused on is how can we encourage users to log in? Um, how can we encourage users to want to stay logged in so that we can understand their behavior across different devices? Um, but you know, a lot of our, uh, a lot of our traffic does does come from uh, anonymous users that are there, and they're kind of just reading through their articles. Um, and you know, from within the session, uh, we try to identify how we can maybe optimize the user experience based on each individual uh, device that they're using. Okay. All right. Well, it sounds like there's still ne- never going to be perfect web analytics, and uh, you won't be able to measure all users. So. Uh, that's an ongoing, I think, and persistent issue. We're going to be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors and continue our conversation. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link-building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. 
Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. The balance of power is shifting, and in some cases, affiliates are growing larger than the brands they represent. Stay ahead of this and other trends with the Affiliate Marketing Insider. On demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This Here's is your host, Tim, Tim Ash. Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Uh, and I'm continuing my conversation with David Torciano, the co-founder of Socket Digital and uh, the director of online optimization at the New York Times. Now, David, before the break, we were talking about kind of like two different kinds of things you could test, uh, offers and the other being uh, kind of the usability of the site experience. So if you're talking about a subscription-based service and getting people to opt into an initial trial uh, and check out, what are some of the optimization improvements that you've made along the way? Well, uh, just going back to the other point that I made about trying to utilize quantita- uh, qualitative uh, research as well, uh, one of the things when we first launched a few years ago, we were kind of very product-centric on our paywall, um, meaning we were showing users using an iPad on their couch or uh, someone on the subway uh, reading their phone. Mm-hmm. And what we really realized through some focus groups and some user testing was the reason people are subscribing are because of the journalism, you know, which wasn't a huge surprise. But um, <laughs> when we decided to actually make the content of the paywall journalistic centric or journalism centric, um, we saw, I think we tested eight or 10 different creatives versus the product centric creative. Uh, and every single one had over a 20% lift. Um, which to me was really astonishing because uh, having done testing for you know seven eight years now, um, there's rarely a test where you see that you know that many positive uh, returns across all the things all the variations that we're testing. Right. So basically, if you t- think about it in broad themes, the fact that you could get something on your mobile device or your tablet is actually old news. That's a standard platform. That's the whole point of the internet being the internet. But the b- power of your brand and the quality associated with it—that's something that people were you know there to get. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that was kind of the moment when I realized the importance of qualitative research. Um, so, you know, that was kind of the big awakening, but there's also a lot of little victories that we can get. So understanding what are the what's the main value proposition for a subscription for somebody who's tends to really use uh, their smartphone to do their reading, um, mm-hmm. for somebody who tends to use their laptop at home or their iPod, iPad in bed. Um, and, and well, really, well, okay. Are there differences? I mean, uh, the, tease those out for us. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've noticed a couple of things, right? So, uh, people who tend to read on their tablet tend to like really immersive kind of interactive, um, content. Uh, th- that's some of the stuff that they love to kind of mention when we're asking them about it. Uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, smartphone use, obviously mobility, um, being able to read it anywhere that they are, 
um, and being able to have access to that content when they might not have an internet access, at least for us in New York. A lot of people read on the subway when we're underground. So um, do you have provisions for downloading it in the mobile app and storing the content locally? Is that what you mean? So they won't yeah. be interrupted? Right. So within the app, uh, when, when, when you download the app, the content is there uh, every morning. Um, and then you can you know, lose your signal and still have access to that content. Okay, perfect. And what about the just old school, traditional uh, do it in front of a computer folks? Um, you know, that, that tends to just really vary depending um, on the segment of user. So, you know, uh, there are obviously still a lot of people using laptops to access, um, a lot of folks doing it from work or from school. Um, and that tends to be broken down across different dimensions. Um, and it really depends on what we're kind of trying to look at for, um, for whatever given campaign that we're working on. Um, so that, that's not such a clear cut kind of. Right, that's just a just a big the big old lump, if you will. Uh, okay, so if we have to look at, uh, you know, so uh, qualitative research. What about uh, quantitative? I mean, obviously, you have an analytics consultancy. Uh, you get involved in that. Is there anything you can tell about, say, even individual level users uh, and what their individual level rather behavior and what they're doing on the, how they're interacting with you? Well, what, what I actually realized in, in doing the consulting work um, was, you know, a lot of analytics that are being done today are aggregate analytics and reporting. So you can get a good sense of, you know, maybe some segments that are coming to your site, refers, uh, how they might be converting. Um, but really understanding the behavior at an individual level and being able to cluster some of those users um, and really being able to use some I don't want to say advanced, but a little bit more advanced than uh, what's kind of built into most third-party analytics softwares um, helps us to kind of understand how we should be grouping some of these users together. Um, and then once we understand how these groups behave, uh, we can then start to focus on what are the main kind of levers for those groups and try start to optimize within those specific segments. Okay, so are you talking about predictive modeling, building some kind of linear regression models of your audience right. and their behavior? Um, okay, so so give us an example of kind of uh, one insight that was discovered by just kind of clustering stuff and and uh, having the data lead the way. So uh, we were working uh, with a, an e-commerce client, <clears throat> and um, they had this one product that was their most popular product. Uh, it was one product that they actually designed um, and that they were well known for. Um, so they were trying to push, uh, other products and they didn't really know how to do it. So what we found out, um, doing some more, uh, visitor level analysis. So actually in order to do this uh, about a year and a half ago, when we started the consultancy, we actually built our own analytics platform as well to be able to get to the visitor level, um, data and be able to start to kind of automate a lot of the reports that you would have to kind of do manually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we realized was, based on the purchase behavior, a lot of people that were purchasing this kind of iconic product were also buying a lot of disposable products that the company was providing as well. So by looking at the purchasing behavior of these visitors uh, who were buying um, these um, well-known products, we came up with the idea of actually creating a bundle um, and promoting that bundle to kind of everybody coming to the site. because these other disposable products weren't as well known and a lot of people weren't finding them. And what we found out was when we would highlight them with the other product that a lot of people were actually more likely to take that initial, um, that more iconic product because they had a better value with it. 
Right. So it's kind of you're 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 building out value on the you know, kind of uh, I guess halo effect around the main brand, but you're also I guess you could say surfacing deeper products that wouldn't have been discovered on their own. Right. And and another component of that was the the company at the time was really when a visitor came and they purchased this this product, it was kind of a one and done. They would buy this this bag and then the user would never come back. So the, the company was really trying to get a sense of how we can get people to return. Um, and what we noticed was that because of, we were able to introduce the customer to these disposable products, um, they were more likely to come back to replace those products when they were done with, uh, you know, when they had kind of gone through their, their initial purchase. Yeah, the old razor blade and uh, shaver handle idea, right? You want to actually vitamins and toothbrushes, but very, very. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, anything consumable is great on a subscription basis, or an auto refill basis, or at least an email reminder when we expect you would run out of it, right? Exactly. So you you can really multiply your lifetime value there by by selling those kinds of things. Uh, okay, terrific. Well, uh, we're going to um, explore one more thing, I think, after our next commercial break. But I wanted to ask you, what the heck? Getting up really early in the morning to go track down giant quantities of dead fish? Okay, just uh, got, don't answer. We're going to come back after a word from our sponsor. Okay. <laughs> More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest in digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. 
Advance your affiliate marketing efforts every week on Affiliate Buzz. Our hosts, James and Arlene Martell, are here to inspire, inform, and motivate you with expert insight, interviews, and information that will increase your bottom line. Affiliate Buzz, on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization, and continuing my conversation today with David Torciano, uh, the co-founder of Socket Digital and director of online optimization at the New York Times. David, 10 pounds of raw fish, and you get up early in the morning to go get that? If you were to, if you would see this fish, you would do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. This is a little unusual, even for New Yorkers, and I allow a lot of latitude there. So, uh, <laughs> a little over a year ago, I actually also co-founded a sushi supper club. Um, about 2005, 2006, one of my good friends and I became really good friends with a sushi chef, and we would probably go visit him once a week, once every two weeks. And over the course of five years, you know, we got to know him really well. Um, so this is actually our attempt at trying to get him into his own restaurant. And we thought that the easiest way kind of MVP to do that would to be a supper club. So about a year ago, we started holding events, uh, at Brooklyn Enology, which is a wine, um, uh, a wine room in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, so we put on these events, uh, once every two weeks or so. And uh, yeah, this morning I had to go into a fish distributor and get some uh, sustainably uh, caught and raised big eye tuna from Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> some striped bass, some fluke. Uh, I was helping the chef kind of pick some of the uh, ingredients up for tonight's event. Wow, that actually, you know what? Uh, I just had sushi yesterday. I'm a huge sushi fan, and out here on the West Coast, I have to say, since we're closer to the sources, uh, seems to be better. So um, I'm sure well, you know. Next time you're in New York, you can come, and uh, we'll we'll get you one of our dinners. Yes, I'll I'll, I'll be the judge. Uh, but uh, hey, just hit me up with that, you know, ahi, hamachi, or sake anytime. <laughs> not not a problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, back to our regularly scheduled programming. No, uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about is where do you um, get a, how do you figure out how to stage your test? What's going to kind of move the needle the most? Do you have this kind of notion of, okay, we're going to do a heretical test once in a while and really shake things up? Or is it just a series of small incremental improvements that build on each other? Um, it's really a mix, uh, I would say. So I think uh, we, we tend to do uh, four-week sprints. Um, so we're kind of going month to month. And within every month, uh, we basically have a list of tests that are being prioritized against opportunity. Um, so, you know, we kind of go through all these tests that our team kind of comes up with. Uh, we order them based on what we think is going to drive the, the biggest value. But we also look at the technical implementation, how difficult it is, um, as well as, you know, what the risk is. So we want to make sure that we're not doing too much risk at any given time. Um, but we're always kind of looking to do, you know, the headline tests or, uh, the color tests just to make sure that we're always kind of doing those micro optimizations as well. Okay. So you basically, you have two tracks. Uh, you know, one of the things that we sometimes set up for our clients in terms of testing strategies, the notion of a kind of a strategic track where you, you deal with the big boulders and then the tactical track where you're always making micro improvements. 
There's yep. no reason they can't coexist, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and quite frankly, they should coexist because uh, I think that they're trying to achieve different ends. Um, and, you know, it, it can be difficult to, to get those big mold boulders to move. Um, but if you're always kind of doing those micro improvements, you're never going to find that big thing that is really going to help drive, you know, possibly a new revenue source for your business um, or, you know, get, uh, you know, just expand your, your customer base. And, and as far as that goes, there's also kind of um, uh, there's got to be political will as well as implementation right. budget for some of those big things. And sometimes it's appropriate to you know blow things up and bring in the bulldozer, right? Absolutely. Um, luckily, uh, at the times and uh, at the clients that I've been working with on my own, um, there's been a very strong willingness to to be able to kind of blow those things up and start from scratch. But, you know, in a very kind of um, methodical way, it's not just kind of willy nilly, hey, you know, I want to test this, this and this. Um, that's why I think the analytics is such an important part of optimization, because you really want to go and put your best foot forward um, before you start kind of blowing, you know, your, your bread and butter up. Yep. Well, well, let's say in terms of if you want to find all the tools in the conversion ecosystem, I just want to do a quick shout out for the new conversion ninja toolbox.com site that we just launched. It's about over 500 companies from agencies to, to various kinds of tool vendors covers qualitative and quantitative tools. If you haven't checked that out, David, I would point you to at conversion ninja toolbox.com. Uh, and for our loyal listeners, those that are coming out to our upcoming San Francisco Conversion Conference, use promo code WMFM to save $100. Again, that's WMFM, San Francisco, March 17th and 18th, workshops on the 19th. David, I know we could keep talking for hours. I want to thank you for coming on the show and for sharing your insights. Thank you so much for having me. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And that's it for this week's episode, listeners. We'll see you on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.